Hello and welcome, y'all. You're listening to the premiere episode of Southern Reverend, a podcast from a pastor in Georgia about the Christian faith, about work and ministry, and about life in the South. I'm your host, Joel Mooneyhan. It is the first week of Easter, and this year it has been a strange one for us and for churches all over the world. In the church where I serve in Atlanta, ministry has taken on a whole new shape for our congregation and our staff. It's been an interesting road to walk, and as I reflect upon the resurrection of Christ, Easter this year has taken on a whole new meaning. So whoever you are and wherever this finds you, I hope you enjoy listening and you walk away with something meaningful. Jesus is risen, but what does that mean for us today in the midst of this very strange historical moment? That's what we're going to look at together today. So without further ado, here we go. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Of all the words written in the Gospels surrounding the resurrection of Jesus, these from the Gospel of Luke are by far my favorite. In 16 words, the whole story is brought back to square one. Redemption replaces condemnation. Hope replaces despair. Life replaces death. Now make no mistake. The resurrection of Christ is not a reversal of the natural order. It is a restoration of it. Never was it God's intention for there to be separation between God and humanity. Never was death intended to be part of the story. Humanity was designed to be the image of God to the world around us, to be stewards of God's justice and love to one another. If I had to point to a reason that it seems that God created anything to begin with, It would be out of the love of creation and the sheer willpower to do so. And so we were made in God's image to be good and kind to one another. But it was not enough for us because we are also made in the image of a God who has will. And in our own will, we made a choice. We chose to turn away. We surrendered our humanity. And it's something that we do every single day in every unkind thought, word, and deed and in every act of selfishness instead of mercy, in every word that tears down rather than builds up, in every thought of wickedness rather than goodness. And so God gave chase. Long before we even knew that we were lost, God set out to find us. It's God's desire to make us whole again, to restore us to the true humanity that once again reflects God's image to each other and to the world around us. We were made for joy, for peace, for love, and for life. And you know what? Social Darwinism be damned. If the survival of the fittest is true, then we're all doomed, because none of us is fit for survival. And so, into this story, God sends a son, because mere survival is not enough. Jesus came so that we would not merely survive, but truly live and to be more fully alive and more fully human than we can ever even hope to dream of imagining the way it was always intended.
whether we realize it or not, or whether we care to admit it or not, we look for life in everything that we do. Every single goal, every ambition, every relationship is rooted in a search for a better life, a fuller life, a life with more meaning. But all of those things are as frail and fragile and fleeting as we each are. So we seek life in things which will die. We seek the living among the dead. And we will not find it. But there is good news. On Easter Sunday, when that stone rolled away and Christ walked out, the life that we all search for came with him. It came with him because it is him. The women looking for him were not expecting to find him alive. They went to a dead place expecting to find a dead man. But the one who they were looking for was alive. And so he could not be found where the dead things were. He's not here, the angel said. Subtext. He is somewhere else. He is risen. Subtext. He is not dead. Flannery O'Connor, the great Southern writer, once wrote, For me, it's the virgin birth, the incarnation, the resurrection, which are the true laws of the flesh and the physical. Death, decay, destruction are all a suspension of these laws. It would never have occurred to human consciousness to conceive of purity if we were not to look forward to a resurrection of the body, which will have flesh and spirit united in peace the way they were in Christ. The resurrection of Christ seems the high point of the law of nature. Now, this is one of the most direct and profound and resonant descriptions of the resurrection as I have ever heard, and it's especially appropriate right now. Right now, people are in various stages of fear or frustration as our nation and nations around the world try to get a handle on the spread of COVID-19 or the coronavirus. And I've been fascinated by the different responses I've seen from people who I know. Some are gripped with abject fear and anxiety about the disease and the danger associated with it. Others swing in the completely opposite direction, fully convinced that there's just not much to worry about, and instead focus their frustration and anxiety at the restrictions it has placed on their lives as they continue to try and work, make ends meet, and remain in some semblance of contact with others just so they don't go crazy while they're locked in their houses. And in both cases, there's a vulnerability that's been exposed in so much of the dominion that we think we have over our lives and over the world around us. It turns out, we're not invincible. And death comes for all of us eventually. And this disease has highlighted that and thrown that reality back in our faces. It turns out that society is not necessarily a guarantee. Things cannot possibly go back to whatever normal we took for granted before we were shut in, whether you think it was necessary or not. 
and we hate it. We want things to go back to normal. And I think we hate it because deep down in the foundations of our humanity, we know that death and disruption are not, in fact, the way things ought to be. If there is a reflexive and visceral rejection of death and chaos, then it follows that something in us must yearn for its opposite. C.S. Lewis put it this way, that if we find a longing in our souls that nothing on this world can satisfy, then it must mean that we were made for another world. We sense something is off balance, out of joint, bent, and broken. We sense that death and chaos are not the norm. They are the perversions of it. And I don't think this is merely a product of our survival instincts. I think it's because God always intended for creation to be full of life and not death, to be full of order and not chaos, and yet we invite death and chaos in. So our souls long for a return to normal. And that is what Easter promises. Easter this year probably looks different from anything most of us have ever experienced. It seems weird to celebrate the resurrection of Christ so isolated from the ones who we love, from our family, from our friends, from our communities of faith. And yet, in a weird way, this really isn't all that new. For the very first followers of Jesus, that first Easter Sunday was not a happy morning. It was a very confusing an anxious one. They were grieving the loss of their friend, who had just been killed violently as an enemy of the state, and now their own lives were at peril. And so they were shut in their homes, isolated and anxious. And this is where Jesus appears. Now, throughout history, believers have had to hide for fear of their lives, and it even happens today in places all around the world. And yet, the knowledge of Christ's victory over death and the promise of the future life it brings was then and is now enough to sustain them, no matter how dire the circumstances. That hope is born from the assurance that God, in His endless grace and mercy, has done something that can once again restore the world to the way it was when He set this whole thing in motion. It's a victory that cannot be taken away from those who claim it, and it's the promise of our true humanity restored. And it can begin here and now, wherever we are. Whatever fear grips you, whatever frustration aggravates you, Easter speaks into it with a word of hope, with the good news of victory, with the promise of restoration. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus once said. But take heart, I have overcome the world.
may not realize this, but Easter is not just a day. It's a season, just like Advent and Lent and Pentecost and Epiphany. It's not just a one-and-done Sunday morning thing, even though we often treat it that way. But this year, we do have a unique opportunity to spend a little more time reflecting on it. And if there's anything good to come from the isolation that most of us are experiencing right now, maybe it's that. And so while we must accept the reality of our present circumstances, we must also be careful not to give ourselves over to our anxieties and our frustrations and expect to find answers, comfort, or hope. Now is the perfect time to lean into the good news of Christ's resurrection, the perfect love that it demonstrates to us, and the restoration of life that it promises. Why do we seek the living among the dead? He is not there. He is risen. Thank you all for listening to the premiere episode of Southern Reverend. There is a lot more to come, including more messages like this, archived sermons, and conversations with friends about our faith, about life in the South, and about whatever else comes to mind. Who knows? Uh, If you've enjoyed this, I'd love it if you shared it with someone else who might enjoy it with you and help me get this new project off the ground. If you'd like updates on future episodes and some of my written thoughts, as well as links to all things social media, you can visit www.southernreverend.com. It is a work in progress, so bear with me as I get it rolling. But thank you again for stopping by. Y'all take care, be good to one another, and remember that Christ is risen.